Hey guys, Small Line on the Outside is a TV show podcast where we talk about a different TV show per podcast season. So if you've ever gone into our past, into our history, into our archives, if you will, you've noticed all the different TV shows that we talk about. So we've talked a lot about Doctor Who, about Sherlock, but we've also talked about 24, 24 Live Another Day, The X-Files, and now Smallville. And guess what? I have a plan for the future. I'm not going to tell you about it, though, because I want to keep it a surprise. You'll just have to wait and see. So make sure that you subscribe to this podcast, like it, review it, tell your friends about it, because the next show we talk about might be your favorite. Hey, what's up? And welcome back to Smaller on the Outside, or as I would like to call it, SotoCast, the first, the best, and the only small of a podcast that you just can't miss. My name is Dave, and I will be the hero for you today. And while I normally have a co-host with me, this season is a one-man show as we're covering Smallville. That's right, everyone. Mono mono, just you and me. Last week, we took a look at the eighth season of the show, which I called the one with Doomsday. You might call it the one with the red-blue blur, but I digress. Season 8 was one of my favorite seasons of the show because it took one giant leap towards Clark's eventual future. I call Season 9 the one with Zod as the Kandorian's definitely affected everyone in the show one way or another and that's honestly the main thing you'll remember you may also remember the blur's outfit this season as it's the black and gray one with the trench coat variation we'll talk about the individual character arcs this season this scene just a hot second first let's hear a word from our lovely sponsors take it away me Welcome back. All right, so what's this season all about? Well, it's pretty simple, actually. This season's all about Zod and the Kandorians attempting to rise to power and Clark's attempts to thwart them. There's not a ton of human elements in the show, but I guess the main part that you might recognize is Clark and Lois since they start dating the season. But it's somewhat similar to an earlier season of the show, primarily season four, where everyone was after the stones of power that when put together create the Fortress of Solitude. The entire season was all about that story arc, and while it's mostly split into two this time around, the whole Kandorian story is ultimately about rising to power and building a Krypton on Earth, and their methods are often thwarted, but when there's a will, there's a way, so it's all about that Kandorian Krypton on Earth thing. So let's take a look at our main characters of the show this season. The biggest thing you have to remember with Clark is that by the end of last season, he said that Clark Kent is dead, and he's now embracing his Kryptonian legacy. So, as the season begins, he has donned that new black and gray suit with the Superman logo on it, and he is in the process of being trained by Jarrell, something that he said he's been planning to do for a couple of years by now, and he's finally gotten around to it, which is great. Lois shows up after being missing for a few weeks, which prompts Clark to also return, because if there's one last remaining character on the show that grounds him, it would be Lois. So he comes back and begins dating her for the first time on the show, and he also has to try to stop the Kandorians from finding power and ultimately enslaving the entire planet. He constantly does this while also trying to help the Kandorians and find humanity and distance themselves from the dictator Zod. By the end, he gets them to a new planet, but in the process is stabbed by a blue kryptonite blade and falls, presumably, to his death. Tess Mercer has a rough time this season because it was Zod and the Kandorians that she herself released to the world, and they all showed up in the Luther Mansion. So she has to basically follow what they're doing or else they'll kill her. But she follows that path that the Luthers uh, 
made before her, and her loyalty is mostly in question this season. You often see her following Zod's orders, especially in the future, but you also see her defying them, trying to gain the upper hand. She eventually gets a hold of the Book of Rao, which is something that the Kandorians are after in the season, and she gives it to the Red Queen, more on that later, and then Clark eventually gets a hold of it to deal with Zod. This helps her clear her name, but we'll talk about that in just a hot second. Chloe is now a full-blown Watchtower Oracle, and more or less is her own person now, and no longer Clark's loyal puppy dog. She's still looking out for him, but she's doing it her own way. She's doing things that he probably wouldn't agree with for the betterment of the world, which means putting together an arsenal of kryptonite weapons to use against the Kandorians if it comes to that point. When it comes down to her personal life, she begins to date Oliver Queen for the first time, which again opens her up to where she's supposed to be, ultimately in her life and on the show. Lois never really has the greatest storylines in the series, but season 9 was okay. It starts off with her visions of the future, which really helps Clark, Chloe, and Tess visualize what they have to prevent around the mid-season finale of the show. Then, it comes down to her love triangle between Clark and the Blur, essentially anyway. Her blind faith in the Blur is tested when Zod impersonates the Blur, but she comes out victorious in the end since her bond with the Blur is strong enough for her to notice something's wrong when he tries to get her to help him. By the end of the season, by the finale anyway, she finds out that Clark is the Blur when the Blur kisses her. Now, like I mentioned before, Zod and the Kandorians are the most important element of the season. The first half of the season, he is entirely powerless, and he's trying to gain powers for himself and his group. To do that, he's planning on turning the sun red by building a special tower in the city. If he succeeds, the future shows that he will enslave the human race, and that red sun will also turn Clark powerless, unable to help anyone. So... Clark destroys the tower and attempts to help the followers of Zod distance himself from his reign. But when Zod nearly dies, Clark is forced to use his blood to save Zod's life, ultimately giving Zod the powers he so desperately desired. Zod then, in turn, used his own blood to turn his followers into super beings. All wrapping up by the end of the season, Zod killed Feora, his wife thinking she betrayed him, but by doing so, he also killed his unborn child, as he had no idea she was even pregnant. When his followers discover the truth, they all turn away from him and follow Clark's commands. Zod ends up fighting Clark with a blue kryptonite dagger, stabbing Clark and sending him plummeting off the skyscraper, and when the blue kryptonite falls with him, Zod is also sent with the other Kandorians to the other plane of existence, the other planet. There's other side stories found in the season as well, including the Checkmate organization with Amanda Waller at the forefront. In the comics, she created Suicide Squad and even mentions it this season. And some other minor stories that we'll get into in just a hot second, but apart from all that mumbo-jumbo, we also have series landmark episodes, so let's look at those real quick. As far as I could tell, there was six landmark episodes this season, and there's not going to be a whole lot after this point since there's only one season left. It's hard to say, hey, this episode of season 10 is a series landmark episode, uh, other than the fact that it, it deals with him being Superman. Um, so there's five this time around, one, two, three, four, five, actually maybe six. Alright, the first episode uh, has Zod and Metallo. Obviously, the last episode of the last season also had Zod for the first time, but you never saw his face. You only kind of knew it was Zod because of the symbol of Zod showing up. Uh, 
But Zod is definitely in this episode, and it's really Zod, and it's not, you know, whatever. So his first appearance on the show, really Zod, is important. Metallo is also a big character in this series, but also a Superman villain as well. So I threw that in as well, but it's mostly Zod. The next series landmark episode is episode 6. And the reason why that is a landmark episode is because Clark kisses Lois for the first time. I mean, they have kissed in the past before when uh, Clark was pretending to be the Green Arrow. But this was actually Clark kissing Lois, Lois kissing Clark, and it spawned the start of their relationship. Pretty big in the Superman mythos and in the show as a whole, so definitely landmark there. The next one's episode 8, technically because Clark wears the glasses for the first time. Again, he has worn glasses before on the show, but it wasn't official, I guess? And this one was more official, as Clark was telling Lois he's nearsighted and needs to wear glasses, though he only technically wears glasses one or two times this season, so he's not officially wearing them yet. It's just that he officially says and announces, in a way, that he needs glasses. So this is a landmark episode. Um, the next one would probably be episode 11, which was called Absolute Justice. It was a combination. It was two full episodes, uh, and it says online that it was basically a two-hour movie, um, but really it was just a two-parter episode, and it was a Justice League episode, kind of, because it was the Justice League before the Justice League showed up. Um, the Justice Society of America, and it's a really, really cool episode. We'll talk about that in a second. The main reason why it's landmark is because Hawkman shows up, and Hawkman shows up throughout the series here and there, but obviously he is a Justice League character-type person. You also see Hawk Girl in the DC's Legends of Tomorrow show, so you're kind of familiar with their story if you watch that show. Episode 13 would be the next landmark episode, and the only real reason why I call this one a landmark episode is because it has gemstone kryptonite, and every time they have a new variation of kryptonite, I add it in because it can be used against Superman any time in his life. So, and it's really an interesting kryptonite, and we'll talk about that in a second too. And the last uh, landmark episode would probably be the finale. Um, and there's only one reason why this is a landmark. Usually you see lots of different reasons why a finale and a premiere are uh, landmark episodes, but the only reason why this finale specifically was a landmark episode was because you get a hint of Clark's suit. Um, I'm not entirely sure why. Nothing really explains it until the next season, but Clark wakes up from a dream He opens up a package, and he sees the real Superman symbol in all its colorful glory reflected in his eyes, and you know it's the suit. Um, But you don't know too much about it other than that, and that's the main reason why it's landmark. Uh, You could also count the futuristic look in the beginning of the episode as well, since it's full-blown Superman stuff going on. it was a flash forward. There was hints of Lex Luthor that Jimmy Olsen's alive as well. You see a glimpse of Superman flying. Uh, you know that Perry White's the editor of the Daily Planet, 
you see that there is a spinning, the Clark's chair is spinning at the Daily Planet like he just left really quickly and his glasses are sitting on the desk, which means that everything's in place or it will be soon. Uh, it was really cool. If you want to count that as landmark, I wouldn't blame you. Uh, it has nothing to do with the episode specifically. It was just really cool to watch. So let's go ahead, break down the season episode by episode. Episode one is called Savior. I call this one the one with Zod, obviously. So we have uh, lots of cool things that are going on. You see Clark's black suit for the first time. He's now known as the Blur instead of the Red Blue Blur. Uh, he has returned to training with Jarrell. Uh, he is going around town saving people and then burning the Superman symbol into a nearby building or something as a signature of the blur. Uh, Clark asks Jarrell why he can't fly. Jarrell basically says, it's in your head, man. It's in your head. You're just crazy. You can fly. You're just not doing it. Essentially, that's what he's saying. And, uh, we're also introduced to Metallo, John Corbin, whatever his name is. So... The start of the season 9 feels a bit different than 8. It's a lot darker, more like the Man of Steel than anything like Superman, which in my opinion is a big leap backwards from where it was going last season. But knowing what I know now, it, I see it as a necessary step, especially given how the se- it's a season with Zod. So what's going on with him, you ask? Well, apparently, he wasn't the only Kryptonian that showed up. His entire army did as well, but the thing is they don't have any powers for some reason. You don't find that out till later. One Kryptonian tells Clark he is going to end the world in a year, and he has a year to find out how that's going to happen, and why uh, why that's happening, and how he's going to stop it, whatever. I guess there you have your seasonal story. But by the end of the episode, Lois has a dream visualizing the future, seeing a red sky, and a scary foreboding sequences and scenes. and You kind of get an idea at this point what the season's trying to accomplish. No, Clark doesn't have a quote-unquote year to stop the world from ending or stop from ruining everything. Uh, I'd say probably half a year since Lois's vision of the future is only up to the mid-season finale, uh, which is what I think the Kryptonian was trying to warn Clark about. But yeah. So episode two is called Metallo. I obviously call it the one with Metallo. The idea behind Metallo is that he's a villain who is basically a half-cyborg powered by a kryptonite heart. He is a DC villain known in the Superman comics, but other than that, this episode's rather forgettable. The main thing that's important is that Clark decided to return to Metropolis to return to being Clark Kent, presumably to be close to Lois. Honestly... That's it when it comes to this episode. So episode three is called Rabid. I call this one the one with the zombies. Of course, in the past, we've had witches and vampire episodes, so naturally, we'd throw zombies into the mix, even if it's just temporary zombies. The virus that created the zombies was released by one of Zod's disciples to draw Clark out of the folds because he heard a Kryptonian has been living on Earth this whole time, roaming around like a hero with powers while everybody else is powerless. Clark uses his blood to cure everyone in the city, and the disciple who released the virus was beheaded by Zod for putting other disciples in danger since they don't have the powers to 
you know, be healthy or whatever. Basically, the episode follows suit with being a weak episode that is put in there for fun, but really isn't all that fun because Superman isn't a zombie story. Superman isn't a witch story. It's not a vampire story. They throw all the stuff in there because maybe because the CW likes it. Maybe they wanted Dean and Sam Winchester to show up and help Clark deal with all the zombies. I don't know. Uh, But it is what it is. So episode four is called Echo. I call this one the one with the return of the toy man. Maybe the one where Clark can read minds. One of of the two. Uh, The last time we saw toy man as the villain, he was underutilized as they wanted to focus more on a Clark slash Lana relationship story and the death of Lex Luthor storyline all in one. But he was there, and now he's back. He is here for vengeance. Green Arrow blamed him and his bomb-making experience for the death of Lex Luthor, when really it was the Green Arrow who killed Lex Luthor. So he targets Oliver. As for Clark's new temporary ability, uh, I guess it was one of those things that Jarrell gave to Clark, uh, and it would show up whenever he needed it. You know, it's just one of those... Tests that Jarrell does. It's not a real ability that Clark has. It's just temporary. Um, Clark uses it a, a bunch of times in the episode, and he uses it mostly to get into Lois's brain to overhear her thinking about him a lot. Ooh. Roulette is episode five. I call this one the one where Oliver is kidnapped. So this is one of the most forgettable episodes that I can think of, but it's slightly important for getting Oliver back on track. In the last episode, Oliver basically tried to kill himself by stepping off a mine that the toy man set, believing it was going to explode. He made sure everyone was already out of the room, but that's what he did. He just stepped off. And he's fallen off his bandwagon a bit here because he accepted a random drug because he has nothing else to lose. He's previously burnt his green arrow suit and all of this fun jazz. So this random Asian woman kidnaps him and makes him go through a few trials. Nothing like the Jigsaw episode with Lionel, uh, mind you, but just trials to help him remember who he is and why he does what he does. You later find out Chloe hired the woman to do this, uh, which was kind of insane because by doing so, she put people like Lois in danger, which Clark would never have approved of her doing, but it did the trick. He's back to being the Green Arrow for whenever Clark needs his help, but yeah, very, very boring and forgettable episode. I had a hard time getting lured into this one, to be honest. Crossfire is episode 6. Uh, I call this one the one where Lois and Clark are the new hosts of Good Morning Metropolis. So Good Morning Metropolis, of course, is a morning news program similar to Good Morning America. Not to split hairs, guys, but staying out of the limelight is probably what Clark should be doing right now, especially because he is still not wearing any glasses. I mean, sure, people in the Daily Planet would recognize him eventually, but not the rest of the city. If he's on a TV program for the entire city, everyone, and I really do mean everyone, will recognize Superman's face. Even if they just record one episode, someone, somewhere, will look at the archives and find Superman's face and connect the dots and connect the fact that his name is Clark Kent and the rest is history. I'm just saying. Anyways. Also, this episode is Speedy, named Mia Dearden, in the Arrowverse on the CW... 
Thea, Oliver's sister, her name is Thea Dearden Queen, and her nickname Speedy. And Oliver spends time with her in this episode as well. So it's a connection, you know, to the comics, I guess you could call it. But by the end of the episode, Clark finally kisses Lois for the first time, making it a landmark episode. Episode 7 is called Candor. I call this one the one where Timothy Dalton played Jarrell. So it turns out Jarrell was sent to Earth along with Zod and his troop in the Orb as clones. But this was years before he bore a child, so he still doesn't know who Kal-El is. We see that Jarrell created the Orb and everyone inside are clones. Uh, and he also created the Blue Kryptonite as part of the orb, so that when they eventually came out, they'd have no powers. This is why they have no powers. Um, so everybody on Krypton is still dead. They're just clones. It should be noted that the close trial with Jarrell, Zod, and the big blue faces on Krypton in this episode is so incredibly reminiscent of the classic Superman films with Christopher Reeve. Jarrell is wearing the same white robes that Marlon Brando wore, and the spinning metallic rings are exactly the same. It's awesome. They mentioned the episode early on where Jarrell came to Smallville when he met Hiram Kent. I believe the episode was called Relic in season three. Don't forget, that episode had Tom Welling playing Jarrell. So, we can assume that he'll look like Timothy Dalton when he grows up? I don't know about that, folks. By the end of the episode, Zod has Jarrell murdered and discovers Clark is Kal-El. Actually, sorry, let me fix this. That was in my notes. Zod does not have Jarrell murdered. Uh, Clark finds this out later, though he does think that Zod did it. He didn't. Episode 8 is called Idol. Not American Idol, Smallville Idol. <laughs> I call this one the one with the Wonder Twins. So the Wonder Twins are a fictional extraterrestrial twin brother and sister superhero duo who first appeared in Hanna-Barbera's American animated television series The All-New Super Friends Hour. So naturally... Smallville thought it would be a neat idea to include them as well. Basically, they're obsessed with the blur and are basically becoming really bad copycats, ruining what he stands for at the same time. During the episode, the blur calls Lois like he normally does, some static interferes, and the voice changer disrupts and she hears his real voice and she believes it to be Clark's. By the end, Clark thwarts her suspicions, um, and Chloe fakes a call to, Clo uh, to Lois and says the real secret he's been hiding is that he's nearsighted and he needs glasses, like I mentioned before. He wears them at the end of the episode, but no, not for good. Not yet. He wears them twice this season, that's it. He's also worn them before, but I think this is technically technically, when he officially says he needs them. Episode 9 is called Pandora. I call this one the one with the red sun future. So far in the season, Lois has consistently been having visions of the future, and now she finally passed out because of it, which means we finally have something more concrete about what happens in the future, what she's been seeing. So basically, she was sent to the future, a red-sunned metropolis where Zod and his disciples have abilities now. The Blur is believed to be dead as his black shirt with the silver Superman symbol is seen swaying in the wind. A shot that is quite reminiscent to the death of Superman the comic special. Something we probably should have seen last season with Doomsday, but I'm not complaining. Meanwhile, 
Zod and his disciples are hanging out at, you guessed it, Clark's barn. I tell you what, people. People really like the smell of poop on the show. Under this red sun, the roles are reversed, and Clark has no more abilities. Meanwhile, Chloe and Oliver create a resistance team who help discover a way to clear the sky and return everything to normal. In the process, Tess and Chloe die, and presumably Oliver, and by the end, Clark dies too, after Zod stabs him with a kryptonite dagger. This entire episode is mostly also seen by Clark, who plugged himself into Lois' mind so he can see what happens and know what to do at this point. He approaches Zod, and he reveals himself to Zod and the rest of the uh, Kandorians, and Zod says, Neil, before Kal-El. That's a twist you don't normally expect. Oh boy. Episode 10 is called Disciple. I call episode 10 the one with the Dark Archer. And to be honest, I didn't write any notes for this episode. It's the only episode in the season that I didn't write notes down for. Why? Because it was so forgettable and so unimportant that I didn't think it was all that necessary. The Dark Archer is in this episode, and that's the most important thing you should notice. Uh, uh, if you've ever seen the Arrowverse uh, shows... Uh, and the arrow and all that fun stuff, you'll know who the Dark Archer is. In Smallville, he has a different real name and everything, but it's basically the same dude. I mean, he wears a black cloak instead of a green cloak like the Green Arrow. Uh, he's the main villain of the episode. But other than that, nothing much to talk about in this episode, so let's just skip it. <laughs> let's just skip it and talk about episode 11. Uh, episode 11 was called Absolute Justice. I call this one the one with the Justice Society of America or the one that doubles as a TV movie. So, what exactly is the Justice Society? Well, basically, it's the Justice League. It's the Justice League before the Justice League came to be. It's essentially the previous generation of superheroes who have simply returned to aid our current heroes in whatever quest they are dealing with. There's so many connections in the comics to this episode uh, that it's hard to list it all at once, but you'll notice right away Jerry Garrick because of The Flash, who was a speedster before Barrier Bart ever was. You'll also see them talking briefly about Alan Scott, a hero that is wearing the Green Lantern ring, which is pretty cool. You see the Green Lantern ring in this episode. Also mentioned was Ted Grant known as Wildcat, someone that looks and seems to basically be Black Panther. I remember when I first watched this episode that I wasn't thinking Black Panther, I was thinking Batman. Um, so I originally thought this was the original Batman. But man, the dude looks so much like Black Panther, it's not even funny. Um, and then you have Al Pratt, the Adam. You're also introduced to Hawkman, Hawkgirl, and Dr. Fate. When looking over artifacts, Clark sees a bunch of other things as well, including an image of the star-spangled kid who looks a bit too much like Captain America. And to give you an idea of what happened to them all, just think about the Incredibles. They're all caught, and law enforcement doesn't really look too kindly on vigilantes. It's kind of crazy that this episode, do you know these people exist because I feel like this big of a team would be completely incapable of staying in the shadows for very long, even though they were caught. They were caught and everything, but they're clearly still in the folds. They're still clearly saving people now and then. But the, my point is, even though they were caught, nobody knew they existed in the show. They're like, 
the heck is the Justice Society? Even though they're all caught. Who knows? Uh, sorry. So this whole two-parter more or less introduced you to the government program called Checkmate. And their entire purpose is to basically keep heroes and superheroes alike under the government's control. Checkmate basically says they have a lot to do before the apocalypse comes. Apocalypse, of course, is another massive Superman thing, a location known as the home to Darkseid, who doesn't show up in the show until the final season. So it's probably, at this point, we're talking at the mid-season finale, and they're already mentioning the main villain of season 10, which is really, really cool. A couple of fun facts. Hawkman is played by Michael Shanks, who reprises the role later on in the series, but it's important to know that Shanks also plays Charlie Harris in a fantasy medical drama, Saving Hope, uh, right next to Erica Durance on the show, who plays obviously plays Lois on, the, on Swavel. The two are love interests on the other show. If you're unfamiliar with Saving Hope, I'd suggest you at least check it out once. It's an interesting and a bit different than what you typically expect from a medical drama, as Charlie has the ability to talk to ghosts, either dead people or the ghosts of people currently in a coma or whatever, which he usually lets help him discover the problem they have that needs to be solved that the doctors can't find on their own. Uh, another, Clark sees his fate in this episode, the cape flying into infinity that we saw much earlier on in the series. I think third season episode hereafter. I can't believe they brought that episode back or brought that scene back. We also see that Dr. Fate hints that Lex Luthor is still alive and still Clark's ultimate foe, which is a huge revelation on the show because at this point you thought Lex Luthor's dead. And like I said, I think the real Lex Luthor is dead, but the one that comes to be later on is just a clone. But I digress. It's cool to know that they're not giving up on him yet. If you watch this season on Hulu, make sure that the two episodes play back-to-back -back like they should. For some reason, the next episode that played for me was Warrior, which was the next episode, episode 12. They didn't play episode 11, part 2 for me at first. I had to manually go back and click part 2 because I was really confused when it started playing Warrior. I'm like, this doesn't seem like part 2 of the same episode. It doesn't seem connected at all because it's not. Make sure that if you're watching it on Hulu that it plays the episode that it should. Otherwise, it might do what it did for me and just skip over it and go to episode 12. So be careful. Episode 12 is called Warrior. I call this one the one with Warrior Angel. The idea here is that there was only one Warrior Angel comic issue in existence that explained the origins of Warrior Angel. Um, and nobody thread it. It's just been in plastic this whole time. So at a comic convention, a kid steals the one comic book that nobody has ever read and uh, and reads it, lessening the value of the comic book by opening it. And apparently, it's a super comic that grants this kid the ability to turn into Warrior Angel. Essentially, this dude's Shazam. He can go from kid to super adult at any point in time. It's Shazam, guys. Fun fact, this is a comic con convention, and Lois wears a Wonder Woman suit. This is as close to Wonder Woman as you'll get on the show. It's also important to note that even though Smallville has kind of gotten away with the idea of Superman and his kindness towards children to keep the show feeling innocent, it hasn't completely forgotten it. And that's essentially what this episode is all about. 
Chloe has a bit of subtle importance in this episode as she gets close to the warrior angel dude, but that really just opens her up to getting closer to Oliver. So it's not a seriously, seriously important episode, but it is important for Clark and his innocence and his beacon of light that stays shining uh, to be dealing with the kid as well as Chloe, her relationship status with Oliver. Persuasion is episode 13. I call this one the one with gemstone kryptonite. So anytime there's a new variation of kryptonite, I call this important to the series, to the character, to whatever, since it can always, always affect him again. Gemstone kryptonite gives Clark the ability to control others. Sort of. It's like a wish granter. He wishes he and Lois had a more traditional relationship, so Lois quits the Daily Planet heads to the farm, dons a 50s-style dress, and starts baking him treats, and he wishes Chloe would have his back more often, and she suddenly becomes his 100% defender. He discovers that he has the ability to make everyone and anyone do what he says, but he can't take it back. He can't unwish it. In fact, he can even make a wish that affects himself to take vengeance. But Chloe looks after him, like he wished she would, and uses grim kryptonite to stop him, which calms the beast known as Clark and returns him to normal and returns everybody else to normal once the effects wear off on him. The future everyone saw was already beginning to change, they've noticed, but Clark believes that the only way to make sure that it changes is to, to destroy the, the building that the Kandorians are making so he goes up to the building and he uses his heat vision and he destroys that building making Zod cry well I don't know if he actually cries but he does not look pleased episode 14 is called conspiracy I call this one the one with the conspiracy theorist guy so here's the thing the show has a few different tropes or themes that it returns to all the time one of those themes is a guy that claims to be an experiment gone wrong escaped from his dilemma, and has little time left, so he wants to use that time to prove to everyone, usually through the use of the press, that what they went through was real and that they aren't crazy. The main ones came down to level 3 and 33.1, as those were the few of the episodes that had this theme. You also have the two cops looking for Brainiac's ship that they swear is real. This episode has a guy that claims to have been brought back from death by aliens and that they brought him back from death to experiment on his brain. He was essentially just a guinea pig. The aliens in the situation, of course, being the Kandorians led by Zod. That's not important though. This conspiracy theorist ends up shooting Zod and to save his life, Clark gives Zod a blood transfusion of sorts and heals Zod and in the end, that gives Zod powers. That's the main important part of this episode, is that Zod found a way to get powers through Clark. Escape is episode 15. I call this one the one with the bed and breakfast. So while there was actually more occurring in this episode, what I remembered the most was the bed and breakfast bit, where Oliver and Chloe are spending a weekend at the same time Clark and Lois are also awkwardly spending a weekend at... Let hilarity ensue. It's important enough as a coming out episode for Oliver and Chloe's relationship as well as deepening Clark and Lois's, but in the end, you don't care so much about that. 
As far as the villain of the episode, you're talking about another haunting and possession case, and because Chloe gets possessed in this episode, not much has changed since she was possessed last by a uh, prom queen, or even ghost at that one episode. But let's be honest, possession is a plot device on the show. Lana was possessed by Isabel Thoreau. Lionel was possessed by Jarrell. Lex was possessed by Zod. Lois was possessed by Fiora. And let's not even get started with the rest of the phantoms from the Phantom Zone possessing everybody in town. I'm starting to think Dean and Sam Winchester really should be the main characters on the show. But anyways, by the end of this episode, you find out Zod is impersonating the Blur by calling Lois and masking his voice. He asks for information on Tess. Episode 16 is called Checkmate. I call this one the one with Checkmate. We've already seen Checkmate in the two-part Absolute Justice episode, but very little was known about it other than the fact that it was tied to the Suicide Squad. This episode might offer a little bit more insight, but it's not by much. We knew from the last time Tess was a secret agent for them, and she kidnaps the Green Arrow for Checkmate in this episode, which sparks the actions of both Clark and Martian Manhunter into searching for the real location of Checkmate. Amanda Waller was also seen in Absolute Justice, but she's more prominent in this episode. If you've seen the Suicide Squad movie, you know who Amanda Waller is. She's the woman that put together Suicide Squad, which makes a ton of sense. We're not quite at Suicide Squad level yet in the show, but she has said it before, so we know the idea is in place. So anyway, Green Arrow gets away, which prompts Tess to finally know who he is. We find out Checkmate was after Watchtower this whole time, so basically Chloe, and so Clark has to save her from their grips, which there's this really nice done, nicely done sequence that's essentially a bunch of bullet time shots where Clark is beating up the bad guys. It's really hard to describe. You just kind of have to see it for yourself, but it's just fun to watch. By the end of the episode, Amanda Waller says it's time for a new game, noticing that there's a new chess piece on the board, a Red Queen. Episode 17 is called Upgrade. I call this one the second one with Metallo. I can't say that it's a very memorable episode since nothing new really happens. We have the return of Metallo, a.k.a. John Corbin, and another episode where Clark is infected with red kryptonite, which is nice enough to see since we haven't really seen him in infected by Red K in a while, and it's cool to see what happens when a more mature Clark gets infected versus a teenage rebellious Clark, as we've seen previously on the show. In this scenario, he's like, I'm gonna be pals with Zod. That makes sense. Now, it's interesting to note that the use of Super Breath, how it's used in this episode, in general, they've realized they've kind of ignored it on the show as a whole, and this season, it's utilized is really good. But this episode is pretty interesting because they use it to freeze things for the first time. They froze rain to make snow, and they also used it to freeze Metallo as a popsicle state, um, which is really cool. I've been wanting them to use Super Breath in a freezing-like state for a really long time, but they never did before, and now they have. By the end of the episode, Zod cuts himself with the Kryptonite Dagger and offers his magical super blood to his cult following. He, of course, does this in the Fortress of Solitude for some odd reason. I don't know. I digress. 
Charade is episode 18. I call this one the one with Clark's dilemma to tell Lois the truth. There's also not a lot to discuss about this episode. Earlier in the season, episode 8 introduced you to District Attorney who was making evil dealings, and he returned in this episode offering anyone $1 million for information regarding who the blur is. Some random dude takes a picture of the blur, kind of like how Jimmy did, but the image is destroyed before the information can be obtained. Clark almost tells Lois his secret, but based off of what she says about putting herself in danger, if she knew, he decides against revealing himself. In fact, by the end of the episode, the blur tells her that they can't talk anymore, and she can't believe anyone if they claim to be the blur. Fun fact, the bad guy in this episode is met by the Red Queen, who we still don't know who the identity is. But wait until you find out. It's crazy! Episode 19, Sacrifice. I call this one the one where Zod kills his wife. <laughs> Spoiler alert. I wish there was more to talk about this episode since there's technically quite a bit occurring, but it's pretty forgettable overall, maybe because it wasn't just keeping things simple and was a bit convoluted, given how many villains there are, but the main things to take from this episode is that Clark is basically giving it a one-last-ditch effort to save the possibility of having a Kryptonian family on Earth by keeping them from the destructive nature of Zod. He sees a window to this when he learns about Theora's pregnancy, something that shouldn't even be possible, by the way, which is why they create Doomsday to begin with, but... I don't know. Maybe it has something to do with clones. Maybe clones have better health overall. I don't know. But Feora is pregnant. Yay! Even she takes this newfound pregnancy as a ray of hope. A way to have a Krypton live on through her heirs. But Zod doesn't know about the pregnancy. He sees her actions as a form of betrayal and murders her. We end the episode with Zod discovering he was going to be a father and he listens to his baby's heartbeat slow down and end. That's dark, man. That is really, really dark. I guess he also burnt down the headquarters of Checkmate and blamed Feora's murder on the humans, but who's counting? Postage. Uh, episode 20. I call this one the one where Martha Kent is the Red Queen. What?! So, Martha Kent is back for a special occurrence. She's now dating Perry White and is apparently the dastardly Red Queen that is so feared at Checkmate. So, when Martha shows up with Perry White in tow, he begins working with Lois to try to track down the elusive Book of Rao, which looks a lot like Clark's ship's key, just with a shape cut out of the middle. After trying to gain their powers back, the Kandorians were looking for this book which holds all the knowledge and power of you know whatever whatever kryptonian hoopla lois and perry are looking for it and ultimately so's clark as well as the red queen and he so clark's looking for that he's looking for the red queen who he keeps hearing about he just about gets her but the red queen uses kryptonite on him and gets away meanwhile who they thought was the red queen was Tess is approached by the real Red Queen, Martha Kent, who obtains the Book of Rao and says, watch out or she'll wind up on the wrong side of the coming apocalypse. Again, they're talking about the coming apocalypse. Later in the episode, Martha comes out to Clark, says she did it to protect Clark. She explains what the Book of Rao is used for. It sends all Kryptonians to another planet of existence including all the Kandorians and Clark. By the end of the episode, Lois gets a note from the blur that says it's time to finally meet. 
Lois, ignoring the Blur's request to distrust anyone claiming to the Blur and that their their conversations are now over, and her own beliefs that she shouldn't even know who he is, meets the Blur in the next episode, who is shock shock Zod. Episode 21 is called Salvation. Uh, I call this one the one where Clark fights Zod, or maybe the one where Clark gets his super suit, or maybe the one with the future vision of Superman in general. Man, this episode has it all. So this episode starts off with a look at the future in 2013, so the show already knew at this point that the show was ending. It shows a newspaper with Lex Luthor's image as a presidential nominee, Perry White is the editor of the Daily Planet. You see Clark's glasses. You hear Lois call for Jimmy Olsen to get every pixel of the story. All absolutely amazing and absolutely important details for a ton of stuff that's going to occur eventually in the show. Or in, in their lives, I guess. Clark wakes up. He opens a package that contains his suit. Guys, his suit. You don't quite see it at this point, but you see it reflected in his eyes. This entire intro with the music makes this episode amazing already, and you don't care what happens after the fact because it's just so, ah, so good. So, Lois meets Zod as a blur, says Clark Kent is getting dangerously close to discovering who he is, and he needs Lois' help to stop him, so these Kandorians start destroying everything. Basically, every major national landmark there is with fire and symbols of Zod. Zod destroys Clark's fortress, well, partially anyway, and makes Tess two-faced by burning half her face when she comes up to him in the Fortress of Solitude. Lois finds Clark's journal in his barn full of Kryptonian symbols and almost, almost believes Zod is the blur until she met him and he touched her shoulder just as Clark had before and she notices it's not the same hand. Clark comes, saves her from Zod, kisses her, and she immediately knows that Clark is the blur because of the kiss, because it's Spider-Man. I mean, Superman. (laughs) Just as Clark is about to send everyone to the next plane of existence, Zod shows up with his crew, but Clark tells them all what Zod did to Feora, and they all immediately trust him, not Zod. Clark uses the Book of Rao to send everyone to the new planet where they can build a new Krypton, but Clark and Zod don't ascend because Zod pulls out a blue kryptonite blade, keeping him and Clark on Earth, so they fight. Ultimately, a great-looking fight in the rain that may remind you of the final fight in the Matrix Revolutions movie. Or maybe it's just me. Clark allows him to be stabbed with the blue kryptonite, which sends Zod to the next plane of existence, and leaves Clark falling off the building to the streets to <laughs> below, which is a cliffhanger, says to be continued, and that's the end of Season 9. Overall, very good season, very dark, very, very dark, but it has its moments of light, and it has its moments of seeing where Clark will be in the future. I mean, you do get a glimpse, a short glimpse of Superman in this episode uh, in the very beginning, even though it's a, it's like a fly, and you don't really see anything. You know it's Superman because of the music, because of what's happening in the episode, because of the spinning chair. Uh, and overall, this episode feels a lot like uh, Season 10 in general, I think. Season 10 is great. I can't wait to watch it. Um, So make sure that you come back next week when we're talking about the last season, the final season of Smallville, uh, where Clark eventually finds his way to his destiny. 
and also, next episode, we're going to be talking about what the next show I will be podcasting on will be about. I'm not going to tell you yet. I will tell you next week, though. Next week, you will find out what the next season of Small on the Outside will be covering. So make sure that you show up for that. But until then, guys, peace out. Have a good week. Have a good whatever. Peace out. Thank you for listening to Smaller on the Outside, the first, the best, and the only Smallville podcast that you just can't miss. To learn more about the podcast or to listen to older episodes of the podcast, head over to sotocast.weebly.com. Thank you.